the thing I've tried to do here is say the the money requirements of being an elder, whether that's just in your home or somebody who's in charge of official organization or just somebody who looks over lots of souls in your city, they don't stop at don't be greedy. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Steven, we're back. It's been uh, a lot's happened oh, since we last talked. Boy, it has. The season has changed. Actually, the season has changed here in Cincinnati. Oh yeah, is it starting to be springy? Yes. Um, we, you know, the funny thing is, we recorded the first one in this series before there was ever any snow, and I complained about there being snow. But by the time we aired it, we had had massive snowstorms, and so we enjoyed several weeks of snowy world. And I have to say. I'm looking at the very last vestiges of snow melting away behind me. So yes, we it feels that we're coming into spring. Yeah, I, I also complained about the lack of precipitation. And then we had the second biggest snowfall ever in the history of Salt Lake City. Whoa! Which, you know, our friends in Texas just got destroyed by that winter storm. Yes. Uh, but we, I, I was just amazed. It was like nothing had happened. We did miss school. For a day, um, but by noon the roads were totally clean and we were good to go. So they're prepared out here. When you say largest snowfall, how, how much came in a day? Um, I think it was was probably two and a half feet in a few hours. What? I looked outside and we chucked our our puppy in the backyard and she just disappeared. And she's not that small. Wow, that is cool. I would love that. They used to talk about when I lived in England, they would talk about, oh, the snowstorm of 54. When they said that they're, they, when they opened their front door, all there was was snow. <laughs> and they said that they made pathways through the snow. And that, that, like, if you're on the sidewalk, all you could see is a front and front and behind you on the on the trail because it was it was like seven feet high which sounds amazing to me well i got an email from the local ski hill and they said come ski we've we have now gotten seven feet in seven days wow um, and have you been skiing no i'm gonna go tomorrow uh lodo feb and the amount of busyness we've had meant we didn't buy ski passes this year because i usually do my skiing in the back country where it's free and um, I can get up and and back by about nine in the morning if I leave early. Um, This year has been extremely dangerous in the back country. Lots of avalanche deaths. So I haven't been doing as much of that. Um, And so I don't have a ski resort pass either. So we're going to go up to a little family hill. that's probably not that different from what you get in Ohio. Um, Yeah. But it's it's affordable. We can all ski for about fifty bucks, which is a pretty good deal. Oh, um, and that's what we're gonna do for for our Shabbat tomorrow. Fantastic. 
Sounds great. Well, well, uh, we've been talking about, uh, well, we, we called it eldership at home um, and, and what it means to be a church leader under your own roof. And you were going to bring us today some hot tips and thoughts on running one's money at home, correct? Yeah. So, so one of the things that I've been thinking about since we recorded that last episode is that there are implications. That's the one that I, where I ranted about Matthew 18. That's the one. Um, yeah, I remember. There are implications when it comes to having more capital, and this doesn't just apply to financial capital. Okay. Uh, when you find yourself flush or highly mature in a capital, um, it can create some isolation. There's the possibility that you would be looking around going, I don't know who my peers are and the people I used to hang out with don't understand me at all. And that's really obvious when it comes to money. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who uh, started making more money than they could have ever dreamed of and said, am I supposed to keep tithing, for example? Uh, Because... And what they meant by that was giving 10% of their income to a specific local church. Right. Um, and they go, if I do, uh, I'm like 50% of that church's budget all of a sudden. Right. Because things are going really well. Or, um, you know, we think about this with parenting. It's pretty common when you have so much that you worry, if I just give this to my kid, they're not going to have to do anything. Right. Um, and so... Does that mean a lot of kind of secular people, we've talked about this before, their response has been just to give it all away, get it out of my hands. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about how um, the qualifications for being an elder have really big implications to how you manage your money. And you should start practicing some of these things if you want to mature in an even way so that you don't get to, I've got a bunch of money but I haven't developed the qualifications that biblically are laid out for me when it describes what a mature household leader w- would have in his tool belt. I'm excited. Let's, let's dig in. I'd love okay. to know the, I, I mean, there's financial things mentioned in the, in the elder list in first Timothy three, yep. but I'd love to hear you expand. So I'm not going to go in order. Okay. I'm just going to pick a few out. All right. You're um, just going to, you're going to riff. Do it. So the elder is not a lover of money. That's the most obvious one, right? Um, yep. And we talked about this in the first episode we did in this series. What does this look like in practice as you start to steward more? Or maybe you aren't stewarding more. I know guys who have $500 of, of extra money and they put it in Bitcoin or they put it on Robinhood and bought some stocks and they're checking it every 15 minutes all day. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with playing around if you're if you're doing it and it's like no this is just fun I like to text with my buddies and we talk about whatever we're investing in um, but I would just say to the guys listening keep an eye on how often you are checking in on your money and your balances that can be a good indicator that there's something more than just responsible stewardship happening when you look at the the numbers so if you've got mint set up. Does That's it make you tip. feel like a 
better when you see that your net worth went up by $5,000. I think that's all I'm going to say about that. It's a good thermometer for how you're doing on greed. Um, you can think about this too when you get a promotion. That's really good. When you get a promotion at your job. I remember the first time I got a job that paid a really, what I thought was a really awesome income and how that made me feel. I, I thought, okay, I am a guy now who makes this kind of money. Right. Uh, um, I, have, I have reached a new echelon. That's stupid. <laughs> uh, but I, I was taking identity, not from the Lord and my status as a, a son. Uh, I was taking identity from, I am the type of guy who makes a lot more money than average. Um, and even the way you behave in the parking lot, I used to take one of the greed issues that I have faced in my life is I took delight in pulling up next to a fancy car when I was driving a economy car and thinking that guy has a Mercedes and I've probably got four times the net worth of him. Um, that's just as wicked and gross as driving the Mercedes and thinking I am an awesome guy because of this car. It's all sin. Yeah. Um, so yeah. these are the types of things that you should just be, don't, don't panic. If you find that I've just touched a nerve, just repent of them and, uh, like we talked about in episode two, uh, just tell them to someone, uh, start to bring this stuff out into the light. That's true of everything we're going to talk about. Um, the next one is temperate and self-controlled. Uh, when we think about this, when it comes to elder qualifications, it's pretty obvious that you need to be somebody who doesn't fly off the hook, who doesn't have a crazy temper. Um, but it's really it's useful to think about it when it comes to money. We've written a blog post on abrahamswallet.com about the marshmallow test. Uh, and there's this test that they gave little kids. You might have seen videos of it. It's pretty popular. It comes up on local news about once every three or four years. Um, and they'll give a kid a marshmallow and they say, hey, you can you can eat this marshmallow right now. Totally Okay no consequences, but we're going to leave the room for five minutes. And when we come back, if you have chosen not to eat the marshmallow, we're going to give you a second marshmallow. If you eat it, then you're done. And they have followed these kids over decades and found that how well you do on this test is directly related to the all sorts of success metrics in your life. So self-control Self-control is a big deal when it comes to your odds to be uh, good at managing money. And, you know, the the thing that we've talked about recently here on the podcast is um, Lodo Feb. We take a month every year and we just say we're going to turn up the dial on saying no, um, which is cool because it lets us do some giving and it's fun for family vision building around that. But really, for me, the best thing is self-control because there's there's purchases in the last month that I have said no to that I'm honestly they're things I need I'm going to buy them eventually so I didn't save money from my family some of them some of them I did because I realized a month later hey you don't really need that but some of them I'm just going to go buy when February's over and I still feel like there was value added by saying no for a month and just waiting what comes to mind there is the verse in Titus 2, that the Spirit of God teaches us to say no, teaches us how to say no to the desires of our flesh. And 
and uh, some, whether it's low dose fab or something else that just trains you in saying no, it's good for you. It's good for us financially. That's right. The next one, um, this is interesting. It says not given to drunkenness. And you would think, well, that's because we don't want our elders to be drunken. Uh, and that's true. But this one really made me think, I just finished Sinclair Umpton's novel, The Jungle. Have you read The Jungle, Stephen? I did read The Jungle long, long ago. And I found yeah. it, it sickened me. It's, uh, I've never read it until now. And it is, I loved it. Uh, it I was so too. brutal. Um, <laughs> and I hated the way that he ended, which was a totally different book on socialism. Um, but we got to give the guy some grace because he did not have the benefit of seeing how the 20th century would unfold. Right. And uh, we, we ran that experiment for him. Sinclair, it didn't work as well as you thought it would. But um, I, I would say there's a character, the main character in that book at this moment when total disaster has fallen upon his family and his kids are literally about to starve to death and his wife is potentially dying trying to give birth to their child, he becomes so overwhelmed that he takes $2.50, which was several Huge. several days' wages that would have fed the family and potentially helped them out of this pickle, and he runs over to the to the saloon and spends it all on whiskey. Right. Um, and so drunkenness does not, in my mind, just mean alcohol consumption. That's certainly a part of it. Right. Uh, but historically, there hasn't been the, the level of options for wanton waste uh, of resources that we have at our fingertips nowadays. So to me... You, you know, you can disagree with me and say this is just about alcohol, but I, I think... Um, no, you're interesting me. I'm listening. I think this commandment means that uh, the reason that you need to avoid addiction or escape through anything, uh, whether that's a substance or a practice uh, or even, I mean, frankly, a lot of us... When we start feeling down in the dumps, we don't go get a bottle of whiskey or um, even turn to uh, turn to pornography or any of these things that are distractors. We might just turn on am opioids, right? You may not be popping pills. You might turn on Amazon and try to buy yeah. something for yourself. Um, you know, I'm taking a little bit of liberty here, but I think that uh, addiction or using uh, any sort of waste of money to make yourself feel better is a really bad pattern because it ends up in just a money shedding pattern in your life and you shouldn't be trusted with more uh, responsibility if that's how you handle stress. I think that is a fantastic point that is not obvious upon a casual reading that using money to soothe yourself in troubled times is a terrible habit for somebody who wants to be a leader. I think that's a great point. Okay. Um, next, he's not quarrelsome. Um, I have been in situations where, you know me, Stephen, I'm, I'm often described as just the most gentle communicator. I, I never speak 
directly. I'm always super soft with my criticisms. Uh, right? Is that, I haven't heard, I haven't heard these comments about you before. Can I can I meet these people who are saying this about you? No, that no you can't because they don't exist. Uh, okay. <laughs> I I have been known to be extremely blunt, uh, and sometimes that gets me into trouble. Um, and I've been in situations where um, I've been screwed in a business deal by even by another believer, kind of thinking about Matthew 18. Um, but maybe maybe it's not a situation where we feel like this is really an obvious kind of Matthew 18. Right. It's not sin necessarily. It was just right. a bad, bad deal. And against my desires for justice, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I had to choose whether I was going to be quarrelsome and press my advantage over people and get what I was due, uh, even if I could go find brothers who would go with me and say, hey, you shouldn't have treated Mark this way in business. That's a or, great point. Or whether I was going to say, you know what? take what you've taken and I'm not, I'm not even going to hate you for it. And I'm still going to speak well of you. That's a great um, point. If you were is... willing to scrape and claw and wrestle with somebody to get a dollar, you're revealing where your values are. Totally. So I, I think the way that you conduct yourself in business um, and with your money is going to set you up or not to, to be in charge of groups of people. Uh, and that's it starts again with the people that are living under your roof and then expands from there as you show yourself capable. Um, but being quarrelsome, the, the end of those stories is every time that I have chosen to forgive or to uh, even go beyond that and speak well of someone um, who has not treated me well in a business dealing it has paid dividends to me in other ways. Now, what I'm not saying is that I'm going to go tell people who are asking me, hey, should I go invest with this person? I'm not telling them, yes, you should. He's a great man. I- sure, I'm saying, sure. I'm saying that in the broader picture of life, I am not going and looking for people who know just how I was wronged and agree that you know I, I, I got screwed by somebody. So don't be quarrelsome and... And the result will be that you you end up better off, even even I would say financially in many cases. That's excellent. Um, next, it says his children obey him. Um, the way we talk about that around these parts is that they are trained. So, children are trained. He is willing. Uh, there's all sorts of implications to this, but. One of them that we have explored here on Abraham's Wallet is that they, um, you know, if you just take an untrained child and let them grow up to be demanders of whatever they want, and let's say you do really well financially in your life, and then you hand all the fruits of your financial wins over to that child, you have really, really done damage to that child by giving them money. So... We've talked about inheritance and what it looks like to prepare your kids for inheritance. Um, But if you don't train your kids, they are not going to be prepared for any inheritance. And the best thing you can do at that point, 
and we see this in both the church and in the secular world, people who kind of wake up when they've got a bunch of money and realize, oh, I did not steward my children very well. Um, the smart ones don't give their money to their children. They just get rid of it and say, it's better, it's better for everyone that way. Um, but the way that you train your children, meaning you're willing to push against their desires and um, mold them into something that they aren't naturally wanting to be, um, that, that speaks to whether you're actually a good vessel for putting money in. So I, the last one that sticks out to me, Stephen, is hospitality. Um, that actually the, the call to be hospitable in the way that, that we live as fathers, um, it should matter to how we spend our money. Um, yeah, you should be creating a home that's a place of peace and that's going to look different for different folks. And there's certainly, uh, I'm thinking of a home that you and I have been in Stephen that we kind of looked around and went, this is a little much, uh, right. <laughs> but, um, there's certainly a way to take this and use it to just spend money however you want and bathe yourself in luxury. That's not what we're talking about, but you're not. <laughs> You're not a single person. The The scripture is very clear that there is a different calling on the single person and the married person. And if you're a married person, um, your job is to build a household that can take care of single missionaries and um, also be a source of refuge. And it's kind of exactly what we talked about, that outpost for the family to be nurtured and developed and to send out um all sorts of good things in the kingdom from that kingdom outpost. So yeah. I think this has practical implications. Uh, oh, it I, does. I personally get real itchy when my wife talks about how she wants to buy a new piece of furniture. Um, but I recently, you know, I was a, at a group uh, of men and we were talking about how to, to minister to our wives and be better husbands. And one of the things that really stuck out to me from that was somebody gave a talk that said, make sure that you are resourcing your wife's giftings and calling at the same level and with the same passion that you're resourcing your own professional um, callings. And I, I kind of thought, well, that's interesting. And I started thinking about my wife and one thing that she is extremely gifted at is taking an old beat to heck house and turning it into an amazing, valuable, uh, comfortable and beautiful space. Hmm. And, uh, again, I don't have, I don't have guidance for you on this is what that looks like from a dollar perspective. Sure. Sure. X percentage of your income is allowed to be spent on your home. Um, some people, this is going to be, Hey, our grocery budget is is more than the average grocery budget because we love to make food for people. Yeah. Uh, other people, it's not about food. It's about the space itself. Or, hey, we don't have a lot of money right now. We don't. We can only afford to rent a one-bedroom apartment. But we're going to spend time to make that place nice. One of the, you know, we were broke as a joke when we first got married. And I moved into this beat-up old apartment and it looked awful. And the only way that we could afford even that was that I talked to the landlord and I said, how about this? You don't, you don't flip it at all. You leave it exactly as it was for the last tenant. 
and I will come and and do the flip work myself and you just let the rent stay where it was for your last tenant instead of raising it Uh, because he was going to raise it a couple hundred bucks a month and he said oh that sounds fine and I didn't have the money to invest in making that a beautiful space, but I could afford a can of paint from Home Depot and right. a, a little bit of time on Craigslist. And it, I, I mean, it was awesome. When my wife came through, she had, the way we worked it, I moved in before we got married and she, I didn't let her come over while I was working on this place. I thought I was Bob Vila. I was really just painting the walls, <laughs> and like hanging some pictures, <laughs> but, uh, she just started crying when she came in because she had seen it when we were looking at it and kind of thought, well, this is what we can afford. And right. uh, it was great. And so I don't think that hospitality has to mean you've got $10,000 a year extra to spend on right. on beautification. But whatever you have, if it's time or talent or dollars, don't be afraid to create a home space that can really be a nourishing place for you and for the people that would come under your roof. That's good. Um, Steven, you, I remember, came to, to Washington, D.C. way back then. and That's right. Taught, taught a class in that apartment. And it wasn't so bad, was it? No, it was really fruitful. The Lord met us there. And it was, it was humble. And we, we were uh, uh, very close quarters. But it was totally sufficient. And it was great. The thing I've tried to do here is say, you know, it's not uh, the the money requirements of being an elder, uh, whether that's just in your home or somebody who's in charge of uh, official organization or just somebody who looks over lots of souls in your city. Um, they don't stop at don't be greedy. That's kind that's of the only one. Right. That's the only one that seems like it's a direct money command in this list, but really almost every command in here relates to how we would train children, how we would um, soothe ourselves in times when we are feeling stressed, how we would react when we see something that we want. Um, there's a lot in here, and and we don't have to get it right at 100%. We don't have to have a 1,000 batting average here. But yeah. these are the things we should, you know, when we are encouraged to aspire to being elders, these are the types of things that we should be pushing hard on. And like everything that we talk about, money is a great training ground for more important things. So That's right. start using your money to prepare yourself. That's fantastic. Um, I, I, I will tag on a coda. Um, and the, uh, I'll make the last one a grand one that we can't fully unpack, but it, it's, it's there in the f- beginning of that list in First Timothy 3. And it says um, that he must manage his oikos, his family and oikos well, which is, that's what we've been talking about here is managing the whole family well. And it insinuated in that word, the, the, the Greek word is oikos. We, it's usually translated household. But in, in an oikos is typically, um, it's your family unit, your family's small business. That would have been insinuated in that word in, in the first century. It would have included the people who work for your family's small business to make that go and all of the finances that would make that happen. So um, one thing that we have gotten into the habit of doing because it's the Jewish way of celebrating Shabbat is that we read 
um, the section of uh, Proverbs 31 on the Sabbath about, about the woman and it about this woman of, of, of uh, noble virtue. And it is amazing how many of those have financial repercussions in the list of what this great woman and that, that in that word oikos, the management of, of a well-run oikos means that you're a good financial manager. It's really the beginning. It's before this whole list of all of these godly virtues. And you're talking about being argumentative and not being given too much wine and being a good teacher and all that. Right at the beginning is that he manages his home and his oikos well. So I just, I'll just let that hang because unpacking that is really what our whole website and podcast is about, is, is doing that thing. But I'll just throw out there, if we want to be elder um, level, elder quality men, we have to take the, the financial leadership of our homes uh, seriously. And that, that means everything from running a profitable business to making sure your budget is in line, saving appropriately, all of those wonderful things. It's all built into that first that first line at the beginning of uh, 1 Timothy 3. So great stuff today, Mark. I appreciate the the uh, reactions to what, what running your finances in the elder looks like. Great. The admonition I'll leave the guys with is kind of where we started which was if you get good at this stuff, just like if you get really good at managing money, if you get good at temperance and self-control, if you get good at not being quarrelsome or not running to uh, consumption to soothe yourself, even if you get really good at knowing how to do hospitality, you'll probably find yourself in a little bit of rare air. And it can be hard to be up there because you'll be looking around going, wait, I got really good at hospitality and I'm looking around and nobody else knows how to do this. Yes. Am I, am I just supposed to host every week and, um, whatever, whatever the area is. Um, and I would just say, uh, that's probably a topic for another day, how we deal with being, being the weirdos. Uh, but prepare yourself for, for that and kind of aspire to be, the guy who's looking around saying, now I need to, to to deal with what does it look like to be in a different category um, when it comes to any one of these these qualities that, than the guys around me. And um, train up some buddies with you. Uh, That's right. That can be as easy as um, if you're hearing this and you're going, well, I don't do any hospitality I've definitely been doing some version of the the drunkenness stuff that you talked about, and um, I probably could call myself a quarrelsome guy, and those are the three things I'm going to attack this year. Grab like two or three guys, because you don't have to end up all alone when you that's get this true. stuff nailed. Yeah, and that's good. that can be as simple as sending them this podcast and going, yeah. hey, can we... Can we get together and talk through this? Because I think I've got a new vision for where I want to go. Um, but you don't have, I guess what I'm saying is you don't have to end up in a spot where you're looking around going, I did all this by myself and now I don't have any friends that understand it. You can actually grow up in this stuff alongside your buddies. That's great. That's all I got this week. So Awesome. I guess we'll see you guys next week. I'm Mark. This is Abraham's Wallet. I'm Steven. Thanks for your time.